Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. Today is October 7, 2019. Boy, it's been a really crazy morning today trying to connect and reach out to all of you and um, do this show because it's really interesting. It seems like almost a year ago we were here talking when I first started on Red State about Turkey. I said that when this world war kicks off, it's going to be Turkey that kicks it off. And it seems like it's there. And, you know, everyone's going to be like crystal ball. Yeah, maybe crystal ball, but it's actually crystal facts. Uh, you can see exactly what is going on. You can see it because the only concern that we have, how many times have we caught people in Turkey with uranium from Iran um, trying to sell it? How many times has, Iran, has, has Turkey said they're not going to honor the sanctions the president of the United States has placed on Turkey? Not only that, it, with the financial sanctions we have on them, Turkey is the only one that is monetarily helping Iran. So in order to defuse the Iran situation, what do you have to do? Take out the people that are flanking Iran. That would be Turkey and Qatar. We've said this before. This Muslim Brotherhood, they're funding jihadism around the world, uh, schools in Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, everywhere. And it seems that no one is paying attention or chooses not to. I mean, look who Ilhan Omar was having meetings with before she went into Congress. She sat down with the president of Turkey. Who is she? Why is she getting text messages from the foreign minister of Turkey? It's the thing is, we have been so conditioned to be spoon fed information that we miss the picture. This isn't rocket science. It's geopolitical science. (laughs) Remember, the EU can't even kick Turkey out of NATO. They can't. Well, they can, but they can't. Because remember, we were talking about pipelines all November, all December. They hold the keys to the kingdom for Europe. Every single oil and gas pipeline that is being fed with Iranian, uh, Saudi Arabia, whatever, oil coming from Asia and the Middle East goes through Turkey and then goes to Europe. They rely on them. They have the keys. They can switch their gas on and off. It's a really big deal. How can they go against a nation That literally powers them and fuels them. They can't. So, you know, we were talking about how Pompeo was in Italy. And it was all this misfoot. And I told you guys that the day that Pompeo went, the Vatican was raided. It had to do with real estate. Real estate raids. Financial crimes. So you have to think to yourself, what is going on here? We have all these things going on. You know, misfoot, Italy. What's going on with the Eastern Med? And, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, well, now he goes and now we announce. Yeah, because Greece just had their elections. And in Greece, it takes a while, not only for the elections, obviously, to settle in, but then to create your cabinet, create your government, because they have so many parties that they have to merge and create alliances. And now that they have a more conservative uh, government... We went in and we put forward this amendment to our mutual defense contract. And I stated this last week. So I think it's important for us to listen to what Pompeo had to say and what was done there. Because 
I, um, on Red State Talk Radio's Facebook group yesterday, I hosted a watch party. And I even sat down with, um, three, four journalists and we analyzed Mike Pompeo's statements. But it's like nobody knows how to listen anymore. What he said was incredible. First of all, I have to say that the reporter asking him questions on the Q&A did a stellar job. You will see a face of Pompeo that you haven't seen ever. He was relaxed. He was funny and he was straight to the point. Though in the end, the reporter did the usual gotcha. Oh, tell us about this phone call with the Ukraine. He smacked her down completely. He does not like fake news. And he made it clear. Now, the first thing I want to point out is something else we've been talking about is what? The tensions that Turkey has brought on with their aggressive stance and violation of sovereignty to both Greece and Cyprus by sending their own ships to drill for oil in waters that aren't even theirs. And they're like, well, we acknowledge that this is ours. And it's like the rest of the world's like, uh, uh, but it's not. Yeah, so we don't care is their response. The EU says, we're going to sanction you. Okay, do it. We're going to sanction you. Okay, do it. But they're not doing it because they need oil and gas. So they're part of NATO. We had this whole missile thing, right? So much stuff has been going on with Turkey. And it's as if people are blind to see exactly where it's coming from, to see exactly where we have a problem. So I want you to listen to 30-second clip of what the Chinese government said. This is from CGTN, which is whole in part funded by the Chinese government. Take a listen. Greece can be a pillar of stability in a troubled region, shrugging off anti-U.S. demonstrations on a visit on Saturday to Athens. Sources say Pompeo is in Greece to underline support where he signed an amendment to a mutual defense cooperation agreement. The Greek prime minister is urging the U.S. to use its influence to calm tensions in the eastern Mediterranean. Cyprus and Turkey have been locked in a dispute over offshore rights after the discovery of huge gas reserves in the region. Thousands protested outside the Greek parliament against the defense agreement amid Pompeo's visit. U.S. Secretary of Just so you guys know, so Cyprus is a nation that um, is kind of like Australia is to the UK. Cyprus is to Greece. So in the olden times, the Greeks used to send their prisoners to Cyprus. Kind of like the Brits used to send all their prisoners to Australia, right? And just dump them there. Um, Cyprus is in that eastern Mediterranean Gulf. It's nestled uh, between, you know, uh, off the shores of Syria, we have, you know, the African shores, the Middle Eastern shores, Turkey, and then Greece. They speak Greek. They are Greek. They have been the, you know, kind of like bounced around in regards to who they, um, I would say, I don't want to say belong to, but I would say align with. But the bottom line is they see themselves as Greeks more than anything, right? That they're, you know, um, Another, I, I don't want to say tribe because they're not, but they feel Greek. They are Greek, actually. Anyway, what happened was in 1974, uh, Turkey actually invaded Cyprus. Like they invaded Cyprus and said, oh, it's ours because Cyprus is ours. And everyone was like, uh, no, it's not. Cyprus is, um, an independent nation. You don't own Cyprus. Uh, what are you doing? But guess what? The rest of the world just sat there sitting on their hands 
and let them do it. And there was a war. And in this war, the Greeks and, and, and the Greek Cypriots basically stopped them and since 1974, Turkey still owns half the island. They kicked out every single person from their home. I've actually been there. I've crossed the border. It is, uh, a, you know, a relic of what it used to be. There used to be people there that lived there. Now it's Turkish. And there is a hard border with guns and, you know, going through and getting your pan- passport actually stamped to go through to the other side. I've been there. It's not pretty. So these... Turkey has decided that all of Cyprus is theirs, so they're allowed to drill everywhere. Now, oil and gas reserves in the Mediterranean are tons. But here's what they're not telling you. It's uranium they're after more than anything. They're telling you it's oil and gas. I'm telling you it's uranium. Tons of uranium. And Greece had done a survey to see if they were going to a mine and drill for, you know, natural resources like oil, gas, and uranium. And they said no, because it would pollute the waters. We don't have the technology to ensure at that point to make sure that the waters cannot be affected. And that's because, remember, the Mediterranean relies on the Mediterranean Sea for sustenance. They rely on fish, and they cannot risk it. Right. It's not an ocean where it'll just be a patch and it'll spread out and we can send a cleanup. The Mediterranean is completely different. It is engulfed. It, I mean, even the Mediterranean Sea compared to oceans obviously has warmer temperature, different, uh, you know, environment. It's, you're not going to find sharks as much as you would in an open ocean because it's constrained, right? The only time you find sharks in the Mediterranean Sea is if they follow ships that cross through oceans, just so you know. So it is a very big deal for them. And now Turkey in November, like I said, went out drilling and then they sent another one and then they started to do military exercise. And here's the kicker, Libya, right? We talked about Libya. I told you how Tripoli is the only place that the UN supposedly supports is the Libyan government, but nobody else does in the world. We don't. We see the Libyan National Army as the legit government. And they have most of Libya under their control. But for some reason, the UN says this little section is the legit government. And guess who's in charge of it? That's right. Turkey. So now they've been given rights by the United Nations to patrol that area, that side of the Mediterranean. So they have their military ships this is a aggressive behavior. I mean, don't take my word for it. You'll hear during the interview how um, the reporter clearly asked the question. They invaded one of our islands in 1999. There was actually war. It's called the the um, Imia. It was an island. It's a rock island. Okay, it's no big deal. Just a few, you know, living people on there. But they still took over. You know, they pushed their boundaries to take it. And at that point, uh, you know, Greece pushed back. Clinton sat on his hands, but the EU wanted Greece so bad to get into the euro because that's when it was being discussed that they had to throw their weight behind Greece or else they would have lost them because Greece didn't get into the euro until 2000, 2001. So that was a very critical moment for the European Union to be able to take over Greece because that's exactly what they do. People think people um, willingly entered into the European economic blah, 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 blah. No, they didn't. 
didn't. They were kind of strong-armed into it because once you're in there, your resources is the EU resources, okay, just so you understand. And they helped Greece with that one little island. And ever since then, Cyprus has been complaining about, uh, you know, Turkey uh, invading uh, their area and demanding six miles depth into their sovereign territories. And Pompeo addresses this. So we're going to listen to his interview carefully. But before we do, you need to hear what Al Jazeera is putting out. Now, some of it is true, some of it is false, and I'll point it out. But it shows how uncomfortable Qatar and Turkey are. The revised defense cooperation agreement between the U.S. and Greece opens the way for U.S. military spending here. Greece's defense budget has been cut almost in half during its recent financial crisis. Not only will joint defense exercises increase, U.S. forces are expected to build a new navy and air force base in Alexandrupoli in northeast Greece, which will supply NATO allies Bulgaria and Romania. That route bypasses the Bosphorus, controlled by Turkey, suggesting that the U.S. is looking for alternative routes. The U.S.-Turkey relationship is also under pressure in the eastern Mediterranean. That- okay, so listen to that. So it bypasses the Bosphorus, which is controlled by Turkey, so they're looking for alternative routes. Alternative routes to what? If you remember, just about six months ago, I reported to you how we delivered over 80 choppers to northeastern Greece. Now, we gave them to Greece, Chinooks, anti uh, tank missiles, the whole nine yards, right? I've also explained to you how the EU forced Greece to expel U.S. military bases from Greece as part of their commitment to the EU, which they did. We had one of the biggest bases in an area called Elinikon, Hellenikon, Eliniko in Greek, of Athens, Greece. It was a beautiful base. It was a great place to be, great place to serve. We have no U.S. bases in Greece. The only presence we have is the NATO base in Suda, and we kind of have taken over cultivating it more than any other nation only because we have standards. And I can tell you one thing, flanking the NATO base is actually a Greek base. And if you stand right where they meet and separated by this fence, you'll see grass, green, bowling alleys, the whole nine yards on the NATO base. And you see like derelict like brown grass and tumbleweeds going with like a tower here and a tower there on the Greek one. We have invested a lot of money to make sure that it is up to standard. Um, and we have invested a lot because, again, I've said it again, the Eastern Mediterranean, Greece, geographically, geographically is the belly button of the planet. If you have a port in the Eastern Mediterranean, you can access Asia, you can access the Middle East, you can access Africa, Europe, and then sail out into the Atlantic to, to hit up, you know, North America. This is, this is why Greece was in the ancient times so, um, rich and so great as an empire because they were able to trade with almost all continents, right? They had the spices from the east because they could access. They could go down to Africa. They were in the Middle East. They went up north to, you know, the Anglos and, and the Saxons. You know, they were up there. So, 
It is a very important hold. But remember, we've been talking about this for a year. Turkey is a problem. Turkey is within NATO. Turkey is trying to put their fingers in all pies, and they have gotten aggressive. And it should always stem from, you know, what you see. For example, if you meet a guy who's, I think Mike Cernovich said this. He said, if you meet someone who's like 45 years old and he doesn't have friends and he doesn't have family and you just met him and he relies on you for something, then that means that's someone you don't want to be in cahoots with, right? When his own people over the 40 years aren't with him. Like, unless he was estranged or in the military and traveled a lot, there's no excuse for someone at the age of 45, you know, to not have family or or um, good friendships, right? Think about it this way. Turkey is a Muslim nation, right? So why doesn't, why don't the Arab Muslim nations accept them as a legitimate nation or, for that matter, put them within their Islamic councils for one reason. They call them fanatics. See, Turkey is composed of different nations. It's not really a nation. They were the Ottomans. You know, when you saw the Spartans where they came in on elephants and ring, you know, everyone says the Persians. It wasn't the Persians. It was the Turks. It was the Ottomans. It wasn't the Iranians. It was the Turks. And uh, basically, they're fanatic. They would they swept Europe like nobody's business. They burnt churches. They raped women. They killed people. They changed their schools. Because when they came in to invade, it wasn't like, yo, I'm invading you like Alexander the Great that was like, I'm invading you slash liberating you. They came in and just annihilated everything. And this is why, you know, we had the um, Spanish Inquisition in the 1500s. See, People don't remember history. And then they pushed them back to the bowels of the Middle East where they took over Armenia, took over parts of Greece, parts of Russia, parts of Kurdistan or what you would call Iran, Syria, right? And made it their own. I mean, the Armenian genocide, all of this, they did it. This is why they have been excluded. They're like, and I've said this so many times before, they're like the, the, the person that pissed in the village well. You know, if there's one well that everyone drinks water from, right, and you go pee in it, no one's going to be your friend because you just contaminated their drinking water, right? This is who Turkey is. They have no friends. They're kind of like just there. Nobody wants to play with them. Nobody trusts them. And they're really aggressive and don't care what you have to say. So here we are at this point where they didn't care what we had to say. Dude, these F-35s, you can't get these S-400 missiles. They're like, yeah, watch me. You're not going to tell me what to do. And it's like, all right, then you're not in the program. Bye. And we did that. And everyone scrutinized us for it. But we did that. And now, right after that debacle, they pushed in saying, well, we're not going to honor the sanctions against Iran. There it is. Iranian, you know, senior officials heading to Turkey. Talk about banking. How can we get the Iran bank? Let's do this. Then we catch all these people smuggling uranium from Iran through Syria to Turkey. And Turkey's like, oh, we didn't know. Really? Then we catch all this stuff being smuggled into Turkey. Oh, we didn't know. Venezuelan gold being smuggled into Turkey. Oh, we didn't know. And it's like, okay, how much didn't you know? Then we have Turkey invading Syria and Russia, who supposedly their friend and sold them the missiles, bombed them and said, stop. What are you doing? So we're in there in the middle of this mess trying to avoid a massacre that has been ongoing for eons because the Turkish people have been 
slaughtering Kurds, slaughtering them. I mean, people were like, Saddam Hussein has killed so many Kurds. Um, Actually, he like pushed them up to the northern part of Iraq. He didn't really kill all of them. He did, but that's like tribal stuff. That's their own stuff. It's none of our business. But Turkey literally slaughters them. Not only slaughters them, they harvest their organs and then dump them into the Mediterranean. You know, you need to rewind to 2015 when all these air quote refugees washed up to shore with empty body cavities, empty harvested organs gone from children, women and men in the ocean swept up onto the shores of Greece. But I digress, right? Turkey is a member of NATO. They are going to be the reason that we have war, and we've known this. This is why we've beefed up. This is why we put our ambassadors in Bulgaria. This is why we went to that place that wants to call itself Macedonia. This is why we've changed our, our, our positionings, Romania, Bulgaria, Albania. We've been everywhere. And we reinforced our Empowerment there. Our mutual defense agreement amendment allows us to be in northeastern Greece, which is on the border of Turkey and Greece. Alexandrupoli is right on the border because Constantinople is what Istanbul used to be called. Constantinople was actually a city of Greece that was taken over. If you know your history. That was where the Greek Empire had its center uh, before it collapsed because of liberalism. That's another story on its own. I kid you not. Um, but that is that is Greek territory, that northern part. Then we have the other part, which is uh, uh, Armenian and Russian. And I said this last year. The minute we pull out, we will allow Turkey on the global stage to show the world who they are. If invading other nations of maritime borders was not enough to convince you that they're a problem, their actions going forward starting today will. You know, they're funding all these jihadi schools. They're, they're giving UAVs that they have the, the best technology, mind you, of drones to Yemen, Al-Qaeda, who are bombing Saudi Arabia. We've got Qatar funding them. They've taken over that Libyan hold right now with Qatar. They're the only ones holding Libya up. They are like their military assigned by the UN. Who is the UN appointing countries as like foster? They're like the foster country. It's like Libya is like the dependent of Turkey. And Turkey is like, yeah, they're our child. We're their military. Deal with us. Who does this? Guys, this is war. This I said that fall of 2019, we're going to hear a lot about Turkey. And here we are, right on schedule. And imagine, all of this is going on on a global scale. And we've got Pelosi, Schiff, Schumer, and all these clowns twiddling, twiddling their thumbs because they hate Trump. No, they hate the fact that he is removing corruption. He is breaking up a global syndicate a global syndicate of which these clowns are just puppets and making money off of it. They want their families to be in that 1% when everything was to go down. But again, even this global syndicate is too stupid to see that the more you empower nations like Turkey or even China, because China's really smart, and we'll get to that later on in today's show, the harder it is 
to get rid of them unless you're going to be dropping A-bombs on country. But at that point, you know, the global syndicate will be so much in power. People will just accept whatever they say. Oh, we had to A-bomb them because they were going to A-bomb us. And everyone's like, yay, good job. That's where it would be. It is so insane how it has evolved so quickly because the ink isn't even dry on the mutual defense agreement. And here we are saying we're pulling out. And now we have the left saying, oh, how dare he not go to war? I thought you said you didn't want war. How dare he pull out the troops? I thought you said you didn't want war and you didn't want troops there. Which one is it? Democrats, you want war? You don't want war? Like what's going on here? So that was kind of like my mm, verbal dumpage on you of what's to come. Because now, after this break, we're going to slowly take apart and see how this has unfolded, but also see what is to come up until around Christmas. I'll see you all in just a bit right after this um, short break from our sponsors. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So heading out of the gate, we're talking about turkey, 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 because turkey, 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 turkey is going to be kicking off World War Three. And you know what the cool thing is, is that Russia is going to actually fix this. They're going to come in from the north and it's done. And that's the problem. Turkey thinks that they can play on both sides of the fence and they can't because Russia is always about Russia first. Mm, Turkey's not. There was an article I posted on TorySays.com on November 22nd, 2018. And it was um, titled, Turkey Drowning in EU Oil and Gas. Will they burn? That is where we saw the concerns that are going to be happening. Because everyone was upset that uh, President Trump was, um, you know, aligning with Saudi Arabia, especially with this fake Khashoggi thing. And I'm saying fake because, you know, it's none of our business. Okay. Um, he made it clear. Our president made it clear that his policy globally is America first and nothing else is our business unless it affects us. Right. If it affects us or our very close allies, then we get involved. Other than that, it's America first. Okay. So obviously, as usual, we have the mainstream media that hates President Trump, that can't believe he won, uh, you know, attempting to tell us how foreign policy should be done. I mean, you know, clowns like Brian Settler or Fredo or, you know, um, Jake Tapper, Anna Navarro, <laughs> you know, all of them are trying to thwart any Saudi relations we had, right? So here's the thing. What they're doing is they're talking to people that don't understand the dynamic. So the um, European and Middle Eastern area has a very, very deeply embedded energy dynamic, President Trump has made it very clear that Germany is dependent, uh, you know, 70% of their energy comes from Russia, which is true. But to get it from Russia, they're getting it from 
Turkey. Uh, things are coming in from like Turkmenistan, Azerbaijan, Kurdistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria. Turkey is funneling all that oil through pipelines. Remember, Oman and Yemen, the war is about pipelines. So Turkey is basically the hub. Think of it like a switchboard, right? Turns on and off of oil and gas. That's basically how it goes. Now, a lot of people don't seem to understand that Turkey has been trying for decades to be an EU member state. They wanted to be able to penetrate, but The European Union has said no because they are fanatics. Understand this. Because they don't align with uh, European Union member state values. Um, You know, they're the only Muslim nation that's not allowed. But, you know, the EU is not racist or anything. Pay attention. They're not racist, but they're excluding them because they're Muslim. Just pay attention. But they're not Muslims. They're fanatic Muslims. There's a difference, right? Just like we say, there's Islam and there's, uh, there's Islam and then there's radical Islam, right? See, for some reason, the EU has been pandering that idea, but they're not racist. Minute you say there's something called radicalism, you're racist, period. You're an Islamophobe, period. Anyway, so you have to understand that whatever oil and gas the EU receives comes through pipelines, and those are fostered through Turkey. We've got the Turk Stream pipeline. We have the Haltar, the eastern ones, the Med, the Tanap was a project that the EU funded to extend the pipeline across the Med. So it was supposed to go over Greece to Italy, Spain to fuel the southern member states of the EU and it would be more cost effective, right? Um, just so you understand, we, the United States, funded, funded through the World Trade Bank, you know, we funded the Iranian pipeline in the 90s, the one that linked them up to Turkey, because it was always the plan. The plan was that at some point the EU would take over Turkey. They would confiscate it. And for some reason, Erdogan thought, they're never going to get me. You watch me. I'm going to get in and I'm going to do this. What a loser. It's like... The Turkish people have never won because they don't have any moral. See, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything, right? And they stand for nothing but themselves. There's no, you know, foundation. So we have to understand that back in 2000, when we funded visibly and indirectly the pipeline between Iran and Turkey, which was the first phase, right? We need to funnel out gas from Iran. Uh, that was actually done in, we funded it in like 1999, but the agreement between Turkey and Iran uh, was fostered through Bill Clinton in 1996. Like we mediated it and we did it. So what you have to understand is the minute President Trump was elected, it like threw a wrench into all EU US relations. And we're like, we're not funding pipelines for like the EU. Why are we going to waste American dollars on stuff to benefit you? And they didn't like that. <laughs> they really didn't like that. And I understand that. I mean, we were free, free for all. We were the world's piggy bank. We were paying for everything. Uh, so, you know, because the way this was being done, it was almost trying to exclude the U.S. from any energy production. This is how it is done. And at one point, they would have taken over Turkey. I, you know, Turkey, for some reason, thought that they were smarter. And it's like so dumb. So in the article, I actually show you the agreement and who the team leader was and 
you know, how the pipeline of the project was done. We even had the most recent approval date. Listen to this. December 20th, 2016. I mean, Obama wouldn't leave the administration without making sure that they get, you know, $86 billion to do it and that we commit to it, right? I mean, let's be honest. So we need to understand that the World Bank executed this right before Trump became president. And we were like, yeah, we, we don't like this. So, again, the EU, heavy energy dependent on Turkey, right? Heavy, everything. The pipelines, we funded them and the EU funded them. They invested a lot of money and we just threw a wrench in it saying we're not paying any more money. And what's funny is, is that it's as if our own people, the, the Democrats in the House, the mainstream media are attacking our interests. It's like they want us to do it. You know, they want us to push us to 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 help someone else. It's so weird. It's as if they want, you know, Turkish and Russian relations to bond together uh, in in, you know, together for Iranian oil and gas interests. But the thing is, you know, that would mean that Russia would be putting other countries needs first. That's not how it works. Russia doesn't owe anybody money. They've got surplus. They're the only debt free nation on the planet right now. They don't care about anyone. They're like, yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. It's like uh, if Russia's not getting something out of it, they're not doing it. And that's basically how it is. That's why they bombed Turkey, who they're supposedly allied with, in Syria. They bombed them. So, you know, Saudi Arabia was actually being excluded because they were westernizing themselves in, in regards to the way they were doing business. And you know, bottom line is Saudi Arabia is running out of oil. They've got about 63 years left of oil at the rate that they're pumping now. So people were trying to exclude them. People were trying to take hold. And Saudi Arabia isn't the type of kingdom that wants to do the whole invasion thing. Uh, that's a Turkish thing. That's an, you know, extreme Islam thing of empires and, you know, sultans and whatnot. So what, People aren't understanding is that right now, Russia is supposedly an ally of Turkey. And what they don't see is that Russia is actually the best ally we've got right now. We've got Russia in our court. We've got Russia and Syria protecting their naval base. The only naval base they have in the Eastern Med is in Syria, right off the coast of Cyprus. So bottom line is... Russia is our biggest ally in defeating ISIS and in defeating the caliphate. Because when we talk ISIS, we think Turkey. Who funds terrorism? Turkey. Where do they come from? Turkey. Where does every every darn terrorist go through? Turkey. When Barack Hussein Obama let out people from Gitmo, where did they go to? Turkey. The leader of Al-Qaeda that's sitting in Yemen. He left the United States and went where first? Turkey. I mean, come on. How many times does Turkey have to turn up where leaders of Al-Qaeda and other terrorist cells happen before someone says, well, um, shucks, I think Turkey's involved with <laughs> radical Islamic terrorism. Look, what we need to understand right now is that Turkey played their hand heavy and they've done this before. You know, it's like a balloon. They expand and they retract right now. They're on expand where they're going to be popped as a balloon. No more retraction. It's going to pop because they put their money on the wrong horse. They thought that 
the continuation of the Obama legacy would have continued right on that path. They thought that they could be at a strength point, which they kind of are with their UAVs and their military technology. They are. And China will make use of that. China will prop up the Turks to, here, take our technology. You destroy everyone. Go ahead. Here, here, here. That's what they're going to do because that's why they're working together on UAVs, long-range UAVs, okay? Turkey is going to start this war. Their invasion in Syria will start slaughtering Kurds. The EU at that point has to own the genocide of the Kurds or start the sanctions. So they have to pick. I mean, they're already racist because they've excluded them because they're Muslims, but no one talks about that. Right? What, uh, what do you mean they can't? Oh, they just don't align. What do you mean? Because they're the only Muslim nation. Is that what you mean? Is that not racist? But think about it. Right now, right now, as we speak, we've got Turkey getting ready to move into Syria and invade, and they want to take out the Kurds. Right now, as they enter, Iran will then funnel right through on the east side and be able to penetrate um, the borders and sell uranium once again, because we're not going to be there anymore. And why pull out? People are going to be like, what are you doing? Why is President Trump pulling out if he knows that they're going to get slaughtered? Because no matter how many times we tell people we're there to make sure that there's no slaughter, people just smack us down. So it's like, you know what? You're right. It's none of our business. You take care of it. Take care of it. And it is going to be taken care of because Russia is going to take care of it. Russia is going to come in and take care of it. And we've already reinforced ourselves. I mean, Turkey's decisions, the decisions that they've made – in regards to the missiles, should have been the deciding factor already in regards to Ankara maintaining their position within NATO. That should have been clear. But it wasn't. They're still allowed in NATO even they even though they have anti you know surface to air missiles that can attack our new F thirty fives. It's like, is the EU insane? Like why would you have someone within your own group, the NATO, NATO, right? Why would you have them in there with missiles that can take out your airplanes? You got to be some special kind of cognitively hindered Greta Thunberg type thing, right? Th- this is where we're at. I mean, another thing that a lot of people don't know is that the largest military on the planet is the United States, but second to them is Turkey, Third to them is Greece in NATO. I'm telling you. So right now, <laughs> right, we've got the hottest bed in the Eastern Met. I've been saying it for almost a year now. This is where we're going to see it spark. This is where it's going to happen. And Turkey doesn't care. Turkey really does not care. They're just like, yeah, come at us. You want oil? You're not getting oil. But what people don't seem to, to realize is that They're going to be annihilated. Russia's going to come down from the north, and they are going to annihilate them. They have their base in um, Syria, right? They're going to come down from the south. That's where Turkey will expect them. They will come land-based with Syrian Assad-backed military to attack, and then they will come from the north. And guess who's going to be on their west? That's right. The United States of America holding the front. So they do not enter toward 
our people towards Greece, toward Bulgaria, toward Romania. This is why it is important that we reinforce that area. People don't seem to get it. Just what is going on. It is the hottest bed. And this is why it is so important because Turkey had decisions to make last year. Comply with the Iranian sanctions and cancel the S-400 missile order from Russia. Russia doesn't care. Russia made money. Russia's fine with it. But Russia is not going to bow down to any nation that does not follow their rules. And if, you know, it's almost as if everybody in the mainstream media that analyzes Middle Eastern relations, European relations, war, etc., have completely missed the mark on the fact that just... A few months ago, we delivered 70 in total military choppers to the Pagasetic Gulf. And I've said it before, Iran is not an imminent threat. It was never an imminent threat, ever. It was always Turkey. This is a massive shipment. We sent uh, Kiwa Warrior, Chinooks, anti-tank missiles, uh, you know, night vision, training. I mean, they delivered them to Greece for Greece, okay, for Greece. So something was brewing in the Mediterranean and everyone was sleeping and nobody was talking about it. And Turkey was like, yeah, President Trump is coming to visit. He didn't. President Trump is coming to visit. He didn't. He's not. Even though Bolton wanted us to comply and work with Turkey, you can't work with people that are mercenaries, right? Because mercenaries go to who? The highest bidder. Listen to what Al Jazeera has to say. We need to like, it's a three minute clip. Listen to this. Greece opens the way for U.S. military spending here. Greece's defense budget has been cut almost in half during its recent financial crisis. Not only will joint defense exercises increase, U.S. forces are expected to build a new navy and air force base in Alexandrupoli in northeast Greece, which will supply NATO allies Bulgaria and Romania. That route bypasses the Bosphorus, controlled by Turkey, suggesting that the U.S. is looking for alternative routes. The U.S.-Turkey relationship is also under pressure in the eastern Mediterranean. That's where Turkey has sent drill ships to explore for oil and gas in waters claimed by European Union member Cyprus. The EU and U.S. say the Turkish explorations are illegal. The United States is eager to grow our partnership with Greece on a range of energy issues for the sake of your prosperity and a stable eastern Mediterranean region. Last March, I met with the leaders of Cyprus, Greece, and Israel in Jerusalem, we, free countries with free markets, want to achieve energy security together. We want to make sure that rules govern international exploration of the Mediterranean Sea's energy resources and that no country can hold Europe hostage. Greece stands to gain strategically from closer energy cooperation with the U.S. as well. It is building gas facilities that will allow it to transport U.S. liquefied natural gas to the Balkans, upsetting a Russian monopoly. And the bigger U.S. military footprint helps Greece feel more secure in its tense relationship with Turkey in the Aegean. 
Greece is the beneficiary of the deteriorating U.S. relationship with Turkey, whose dependability as an ally the U.S. has begun to question. Not only do the two disagree on how to fight the war in Syria, the U.S. sees Turkey's purchase of Russian S-400 surface-to-air missiles as a breach of alliance in spirit. And then there's the increasingly difficult relationship between the European Union and Turkey when it comes to refugees. Greece has to worry not about perhaps an imminent war with Turkey, but that Turkey is um, using all its strengths and all its uh, abilities to conduct what one might say is a hybrid war against the country. Uh, the migrant issue being part of this, of course. Um, there are those who believe that uh, the migratory flows are regulated by Turkey to, be, to act as a weapon um, against Greek society. The deepening relationship with the U.S. marks Greece increasingly as an eastern border of the Western security arrangement. In many ways, it's a renewal of Cold War ties in which lines of allegiance are now being drawn through the Aegean with the benefits and risks that come with it. John Saropoulos, Al Jazeera, Athens. Okay, are you listening to this? So this is a year late because we were talking about this last year when throughout the whole year. I've been bringing your attention to this. Syria was the final frontier that Hillary Clinton should have brought home to floor it because the minute they would have been able to pipe that up to Turkey, then Turkey would have been on the plate. And like I've said, they'd, they've aligned with China. China, 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 <laughs> China, 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 and Turkey has been very bold and aggressive with nothing. It's kind of like the dumb jock that wants to be a manager, right? You can pump gas, you can, you have muscles, you look good, you're tall, you're strong, but you know, in between your ears, you've got nada, right? This is exactly where Turkey is at, and now. We're going to listen, and I'm going to fast forward through it um, to where the Q&A is, to what Pompeo said during the Q&A, because this is where it's important. So I have some Greek words sprinkled throughout, and I'm t- I, I'll play a little terrified. bit his intro so you can... <laughs> So you can listen to him. I also wanted to tell you guys, I urge you to find the Pompeo uh, remarks. It's on the D- uh, Department of State website. Uh, one thing people don't know, this is unwritten code, and um, I know this for a fact because I have a lot of family members that do television, um, you know, morning shows like Good Morning Greece, blah, 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 and stuff like that. The one thing they do is that if someone's a little bit overweight, not not like – I'm not saying that, you know, Pompeo's fat, but he's not like skinny, skinny, right? He's not slender. He's, he's healthy. Uh, they always put a slimming lens. So you see Pompeo in a completely different view and people will be like, what? Yes, that's what they do. They want people to look good. They legit use lenses that shave off at least 20 pounds. Um, not saying that he lost 20 pounds, but he looks completely different and I urge you to see it. Uh, take a listen to what he has to say in the beginning and then we'll fast forward to the Q and A. To give it a shot. Kalispera. <laughs> All right. One, one, one for one. Well, good afternoon and, and welcome. And thanks for joining me. Uh, uh, thank you, Ambassador Pyatt. Uh, and thank you, Nicholas, uh, for that warm introduction. I, I feel as if uh, I'm truly among friends. Uh, just like when I'm with Greek Americans back in Kansas, uh, who always keep me straight. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ford. 
Yep, we're straight. Uh, I want you to listen to how different he speaks. Because when we get to the Q&A, you will hear Pompeo you've never heard. A Pompeo you've never heard. A very transparent, very relaxed, and very straightforward Pompeo. We haven't seen this kind of Pompeo in a very long time. And this has to do with Ukraine. Uh, it's set it off. It's completely different. He's like, you know what? Gloves off, man. We are not handling you with white gloves anymore. We are taking them off. So I'm just going to play about a few more seconds of this. Then we'll go to the break and continue. Mr. Dendius for being here as well and many other senior officials. We had great meetings today. I also want to thank uh, Stavros Nikaros, uh, Nikaros Foundation for this absolutely stunningly gorgeous facility uh, that you let us be in today. I think it's completely appropriate uh, that we're here in this very special space that is so beautiful and so gorgeous like the relationship between our two countries. It is a it's a privilege for me to visit the cradle of democracy. As, as many of you might know, I first ran for Congress now uh, a decade ago as a conservative, constitutionally faithful Republican, a small government, pro-economic growth Republican. The whole idea was to return America to our roots and put power back in the hands of ordinary people. And, of course, we trace that idea to this very place, back to Greece. Where would we be without you? Okay, so on that note, just so everyone knows, where would he be without him and all those nice Greek Americans that keep him honest in Kansas? Kind of makes me feel good because I'm a Greek American myself, right? After the break, we're going to see exactly what he tells the Greek government and everybody in the world about what's to come. Real news. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tory. So it's Monday, and obviously, uh, you know, the airwaves don't want to be my friend today, I think. Uh, <laughs> but everything should be running smoothly now. I ran all the checks that I needed to. All right. So here is where we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. Uh, the suspension of Turkey is imminent from NATO, and that is going to be reliant on the EU. Will the EU acknowledge that genocide is not allowed, and will they stand by what they supposedly stand for, which is peace, unity, inclusivity, diversity, etc., or will they stand by genocide for the sake of oil? Now, again, I'll restate quite simply. The plan was we beef up Turkey, we fund it, we get these pipelines, they think they're the Don, they think they're the man, they're that, that, that uh, brainless jock, and we empower them. And once everything's in place, once we've annihilated the Middle East, and we've piped them all up to Turkey, we annihilate Turkey. We take them out with a coup. We take them out the way we want to. That was the plan of this uh, global, uh, global syndicate, the one that we're seeing falling apart. Remember, the Ukraine has one of the largest natural gas reserves on the planet. This is why everything happens there. This is why they were so upset that Crimea voted to stay uh, with Russia because they lose a portion of that natural gas and that access to the strait. It was strategic. It was important and it was going to happen. 
And now we're going to rely on an ally that you've never seen, which is Russia. Because Russia, Russia, Russia has been the bad guy. But Russia, Russia, Russia is going to bring this home. And because Russia goes for Russia first. And Russia loves America first. Why? Because if America is doing America first and Russia is doing Russia first, then everybody wins. If only all the other nations, like President Trump said, put their nations first. Do you know how awesome it would be here? It would be amazing. It would be an amazing world. Everyone would be working together to strive to be better. Trade would be great. Capitalism is good. Everybody would be investing to make money. And this is where China comes in. Uh, and you're going to hear Pompeo talk about that because you know, this, um, drilling, this oil and gas drilling. Okay. Turkey's taken the aggressive stance and said, I don't care if everybody thinks this is Cyprus and Greece's water. I'm still going to enter. Stop me. That's what they're saying. We're going to put sanctions. Nobody put sanctions. We're going to do this. Nobody did this. But now that we're pulling out, you know, we see Lindsey Graham pulling out that sword again, right? Right on cue, like I said in the fall. Just spoke with Senator Chris Van Olen about the situation in Syria. We will introduce bipartisan sanctions against Turkey if they invade Syria. And will call for their suspension from NATO if they attack Kurdish forces who assisted the U.S. in the destructions of the ISIS caliphate. Now will you, Lindsey? Of course you will. Because either way, Russia's already there. When Turkey tried to invade Russia, we talked about it on air here. It was about a month ago, remember, where they started to, I told you guys in November, look, they want to take an extra 10 miles of that Syrian border. Look, they want to get into Idlib. Look, they're coming in deeper. Look, they came in deep enough where Russia said, boom, no, you don't. Uh-uh. No, you don't. Idlib is very important because once they have control of that area, they can expand to the shores and Russia will never allow that. And this is why they are supporting Assad. See, people are so dumb. They think, oh, Russia just likes dictators. No. Assad is a leader. The people picked him. And Russia is going to side with that leader because they've got one of their biggest bases there. And they're not going to move. And they don't want to move. They have an agreement, a mutual defense agreement, just like the one we just signed with Greece, which means that if Greece goes to war, what do we do? We go to war for them, too. Get it? That's how it works. So next time you hear somebody saying, well, Russia and Assad and chemical weapons, stop. We have an agreement. We can't break that agreement. Same goes for Russia. So we're going to see this go nuts. And you hear Pompeo mentioning how nuts. Listen to this um, reporter. The questions, exceptional, except for the last two where she got smacked down. Pompeo, he sounds so different, guys. This is another side of Pompeo. And it's because he's comfortable. Did you know that the majority of the intelligence community... In certain sectors are usually Greek American. Just wanted to point that out. Welcome, Mr. Thank Secretary. You. Thank you very much for being here with us today. It's great uh, to be with you. Great. I understand that you have been traveling in the region during the last few days, and this is your last stop, right? Yes, that's that's true. It's, it'll be good and, to get home. And it comes, as you say, in the uh, the U.S. the U.S. Greek relations are now their best time ever. So this makes your visit very timely. And I wanted to focus first a little bit more on that, the U.S.-Greek relations. Uh, we can all observe that uh, the U.S. is shifting its attention lately in the broader region, not only Greece, but also the Balkans, Eastern Mediterranean, 
So is this a new phase, a new front for the U.S.? And what kind of long-term commitment can you offer Greece to guarantee that this is not just a temporary shift in attention? Okay, did you get that? So this is important. She's like, hey, lately you've been around our area here, all these waters, all this stuff going on. Like, is this like something temporary that you're just kind of here because or what's going on? What benefit will Greece as a country have? Very good question and very specific and one that shows that some people are paying attention because, again, Secretary Pompeo has been all over the Balkans, all over the Eastern Mediterranean. And I talked about the meeting they had with Israel and Cyprus and Greece in Israel. Really big meeting there where they discussed it, where they discussed Libya. Because, again, Turkey's in Libya. And what does that mean? That they are what? Patrolling areas that are accessible to Israel as well. So this is really important. Look, I, I don't know that it's new, but it's certainly uh, reinforced. Uh, it, it's the case that you have to have uh, challenges, have to uh, have uh, times when opportunity presents itself to strengthen and create relationships that can, in fact, be lasting. I, uh, I, I see that opportunity, and you can see it. You can see it with uh, permanent infrastructure that's being built that will last uh, for decades and decades. Uh, you can see it in the political infrastructure that's being built out as well. Uh, the relationships that, that will go beyond any particular administration in America or any particular government here in Greece that will be uh, truly uh, structural and lasting. Uh, we, we have focused now uh, on these opportunities. We, we watch, we know the importance of the transatlantic relationships with Europe, uh, but we've also seen that within Europe there are countries where um, we really feel like there's uh, space for American investment to come in, for America's military to continue to uh, grow and succeed uh, in a strategic way, and we think Greece can certainly be part of that. Um, you have seen and will continue to see our continued efforts, not just here, but throughout the Balkans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've appointed a couple of new leaders to take on the challenges between uh, uh, two of the countries here to start, try and deliver an outcome that will create stability here in the region. So we put a real priority, and it was it was great for me to get a chance to come here. I had a chance to uh, to travel to Italy, and then to Montenegro, then to North Macedonia, now to here. Uh, it's been a fantastic trip, and one that I hope uh, will put my teams on the ground, who will be here after I leave, uh, to continue to work closely with these countries to develop better outcomes for those countries, for the region, and things that will benefit the United States of America as well. Okay, so there goes that question. Now, what does that tell you? Yes, I have been reinforcing our relations in Eastern Europe. Yes, all the countries that are considered Balkan and Eastern Mediterranean flankers that flank to Turkey, I have been reinforcing these relationships. I have created a team to foster these. In challenges, we find opportunity to reinforce our relationships. This means you need us so you don't get caught in the middle, and we need you to make sure that middle doesn't expand and we get a hold of this faster than anyone else. Because if Europe does it, they will allow Greece to fall. They have. They have allowed Greece to fall. They had people washing up on the shore, live, dead, in the droves. Turkey would force 
refugees on boats to go across to Greece. They would force them. They were not allowed entry. They've threatened Europe with unleashing their border right by Alexandrupoli, where we've reinforced, the United States has reinforced our presence there because they've been threatening we're going to release the Kraken and let go of all these Syrian refugees. Remember, in August of this year, Turkey said to the Syrian refugees, you need to go back. We're going to round you up and get rid of you. Remember, uh, they're using people as weapons because if you... Uh, you know, send out 20,000 migrants at once to one place. It will collapse that infrastructure. Uh, again, what does this remind you of? Mexico. Why are they sending all these illegal migrants with caravans to collapse our infrastructure, to cause a distraction? Let me tell you how Hitler was beaten. So Greece was asked by Hitler, hey, Greece, I don't need to like, um, I don't want to invade you. We're cool. I just want you to allow me to go through so that I can get to the African border. I just want access to your waters and your land so that I could go through. I won't bother you. And if I build any roads, you can keep them. You don't have to be German. I don't want to take you over. That was actually the conversation they had. And so on October 28th, which is no day, you can look it up, Ohi day, O-X-I day, Greece said no. And Greece said no because the U.S. said, we'll help you, we'll this, we'll that. Because all these other nations throughout the European Union today, and back then just Europe, fell within days. Greece held Hitler at the border for over almost two years. And that's why he froze his butt off. We held him long enough. So then when he went in to Russia, <laughs> he froze his butt off and they and the Russians came down. So it was because Mussolini was incompetent. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is you invade and you destroy the infrastructure, right, to to to, to get a government to collapse. Hitler did the same thing. We see the same thing on the Mexican border. The Democrats want to cause a collapse in our internal infrastructure. So how do they do that? By bringing caravans and caravans of people. And then when your nation says no, you're racist. When your nation can't hold on to them, you're racist. If you don't let them run into your country and bring their drugs, their guns, their human trafficking, child trafficking, you're racist because you want to regulate who comes in. This is how you collapse a government. Greece, out of all nations in Europe, has been whiplashed into submission. They have been whipped completely because they have been bombarded by refugees. And this is how they're doing it. Because that is the stronghold. They've always been the stronghold. This is where Hitler failed. And if you don't want to take my word for it and say I'm biased because both my parents were Greek immigrants fresh off the boat to America, I suggest you do your homework. That is exactly how it happened. Because again, this is that, that, that piece of land, that area, that section of the Eastern Mediterranean is the belly button of the planet. And so it is very strategic. The Eastern Mediterranean is the most strategic position. Why do you think Russia will defend till its last breath their base in Syria? Because it's access to the Eastern Mediterranean. That's why. So this is why Turkey has invaded the Eastern Mediterranean. Listen to the next question. Well. Okay. And you also just signed a revised defense deal with the Greek government. And this comes at a moment when the U.S.-Turkey relations are, the tensions in the relations are heightening. 
So I wanted to know if these two are connected and if you plan to remove or reduce your troops currently in Turkey. Yeah, they're not connected. This, this agreement was done because this was in the best interest of Greece and the best interest of the United States of America. It's, I, I read some things today that talked about it being about basing rights. Uh, that, that does not fundamentally capture what it is our two countries actually achieved in this new agreement. Uh, it's much deeper than that. It's much more strategic than that. It will have a, a, much, uh, a, a much greater impact on the capacity for the United States and Greece to work together militarily and uh, to be supportive of NATO. So, no, this, this agreement was, uh, was connected to the relationship between the United States and Greece. And there was no other country that drove this other than our, our knowledge that our, the two countries working together with this amended agreement will lead to better outcomes for each of us. Lead to better outcomes for each of us. No, no, no. It wasn't because Turkey is, you know, pushing and being aggressive and invading sovereign territory. It's not because of that. It's because if we work together and we strengthen our militaries together, we gave you guys 70 of these choppers and all these other weapons, you know, six months ago. It's important that we reinforce our relationship. You allow us to have presence in your northeastern border so we can protect you when Turkey decides to flip the switch, which is very, very near. And you'll hear, even though he said, oh, it's not Turkey. Mm? Now listen. Focusing a bit more on Turkey, because I know most people in the room would like me to focus on that. What can Greece and Cyprus expect from the U.S. regarding Turkey? For example, if Turkish troops land on a Greek islet, as it happened in 1999, what should, should we expect? Should we expect an equal distances uh, stance or something more supportive from the U.S.? Before he answers, remember, I mentioned this. This is the islet of Imia in 1999. Clinton sat on his hands. And in the end, it was the EU that kind of said, hey, you want in the EU, you better back off. Because once they get in, then we can discuss it. Because if they don't get in, there is no discussion. That was basically what happened because it was the last final push, uh, you know, because Turkey has been always aggressive toward Greek, Greece and Cyprus saying, well, we own them because – a lot of people don't know that from 1421 until 1821, the Greeks were actually slaves for 400 years to the Turkish, um, to the Ottoman Empire. They were slaves, like literally slaves. Um, and they revolted in 1821, and that's where they gained their independence. So Independence Day that's celebrated on March 25th um, every year is Greek Independence Day because they got their independence from Turkey. Um, you know, Turkey had burned all their churches down, built a bunch of mosques, you know, and um, the Greek churches were literally hiding in mountains and teaching the Greek language because they weren't even allowed to study Greek anymore. Uh, they were uh, burning monuments, you know. Have you ever heard about the uh, Parthenon's relics in, in London? Well, the Greeks are telling the British that they need to return them, but the British refuse to return them because they say they paid for them. Do you know how they paid for them? They paid Turkey for them because Turkey sold it to them when it wasn't theirs to sell in the first place. This is legit the the tensions in the regions that go back a long time ago. And this stems from the fact that King Constantine, who had his seat as the empire in Constantinople in the late 1300s, right before the plague hit, um, you know, because the plague uh, that came in, came in from the east. Again, I've said this, it's all scientifically based. Uh, all these people were coming in from the east, from Mongolia, from the Middle East. And remember, it was a mass migration that caused this disease because people of other 
other areas have different immune systems. So one bacterium that they can withstand, um, you know, in its natural environment is, you know, benign to them because their bodies can beat it. But then when it's introduced to another environment, it changes its virulence as and and affects people that have not been exposed to it. So it's kind of like, you know, you have you have the whooping cough, right? It won't affect you as much as a baby that's never had it. Make sense? So what happened was Greece at that point was such a huge empire, such a big kingdom, you know, on the heels of Alexander the Great. They had taken over. It was a huge empire, and people don't fathom just how big it was. Yes, there was the Roman Empire, but they had taken a completely different route by weaponizing religion and saying God chops off heads and you have to follow. Again, another form of socialism, right? Rules and regulations, but they blame God instead of saying we the government say this. They would say God says this. So the Greeks at that point were very liberal. They wanted migration. They invited migrants and they invited all these people that invaded them. <laughs> that's basically how they opened their borders and said, everyone can be part of the Greek empire. And that's how they fell. This is history. So what we're seeing is like the U S is the old Greek empire where we have the Democrats like King Constantine saying, open the borders, let everyone in. Let's all be one happy family. It doesn't work that way. Cause there's always those people that want control. And in the case of of Greece, it was Turkey. So people need to understand that there is great animosity between the Balkan nations. We're talking Bulgaria, Armenia, right? Two thirds of the land of Turkey is Armenia that they completely slaughtered. It's called the Armenian genocide that they refuse to call a genocide. Um, you know, this is what's going on. And they're asking the U.S. now, if they become aggressive like they did there, are we just going to have this equal distance thing, like push them back, push them back, or are you going to involve? Listen to what Secretary Pompeo says. You know, one of the good things about doing this a year and a half is I know not to talk about hypotheticals. Uh, <laughs> and, and so so I, so I won't. But, but here's what you can expect. The, the world knows how America engages in the world, certainly under President Trump. We have deep respect for the rule of law. Uh, we, we, we've talked uh, to countries that have engaged in activity that we say is fundamentally at odds with our value set and, in, and with the value set of Greece. Uh, so what we're engaged in is a set of activities that will prevent precisely what you just described from happening, to try and create a set of incentives that say that's not the way for countries to benefit. And take, take a look. There's, there's no country that has put as many sanctions on Russia as we have during the now three years this administration has been put in place. Why? Because they engaged in behavior by taking one-fifth of the Ukraine. That's unacceptable. We ask every European country to care about this as much as we do. Uh, and so you can watch how this administration behaves, and you can be confident uh, that we will act in ways that protect and preserve these basic ideas of sovereignty. Oops. There we go. So what will we do, Right. That was the question. If Turkey decides to invade us or start to be aggressive, now that we've signed this mutual defense agreement, what will we do? Well, we will act in ways that protect and preserve the basic ideas of sovereignty. What does that mean? We will defend you and we won't allow them. Though he first mentions diplomacy is first. Here's where we say, hey, can't do this. Hey, can't do that. Hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, I think we need to put sanctions because you're not paying attention. And then when the final front comes and you bring your ship into the water, that's where we're like, yo, we've got a mutual defense agreement. Boom. There we go. This is the answer. This is where he draws the hard line in the Eastern Med. No one's paying attention. 
these basic ideas of the rule of rule of law and these basic ideas around uh, the protection of private property, uh, the same value set that the people of Greece have. Wow, right? Can it be more definitive as a line, guys? Now moving to Cyprus. Uh, the U.S. has indeed warned uh, Turkey to stop drilling in Cyprus, in Cyprus's exclusive economic zone. But so far this has been ignored. And in fact, uh, Turkey plans to start offshore drilling a new one next week. So should we expect something new, more punitive, a punitive move? Yeah, we'll keep working to convince the Turks this isn't in anyone's best interest. Mm-hmm. We've, we've made clear uh, that these... This conflict shouldn't be militarized. We've made clear that uh, illegal drilling is unacceptable, violating the international rules of law. It's unacceptable. Just one thing. He didn't say the Turkish people. He said these Turks. Pay attention. Words are important. He said, we don't want this to be militarized. We're telling them it's unacceptable. We're constantly saying it, right? Listen. Uh, And we'll continue to communicate that. Uh, not only to Turkey. Well, we, we do this all across the world, and we use our diplomatic power to convince other nations that this isn't in their best interest. And we'll, we'll continue to work on this particular problem set as well, and we'll do so uh, alongside our partners here in Greece. We'll do so with our friends around the world, and we hope we'll do so uh, with Western European countries that have a deep and abiding interest in making sure that this happens well, and indeed all countries around the world. Every nation has an interest in protecting the sovereignty and the international rule law, in this case, laws regarding economic zones around uh, countries. Uh, Wow, he just called the EU to the carpet. He's like, yeah, maybe we can get the Western nations, you know, to come in on this and work with us on this, that sovereignty is important and that the rule of law is important and economic zones around countries are important. He's calling them to the carpet. He's like, Europe, what are you doing? Greece is part of the EU. What are you doing? Why are we doing more? This is great because this will just help a Grexit. You know, that's that's how it goes. So here is where he's calling people to the carpet. Every country knows the rules, and sometimes countries try to pretend that they don't. Every country understands these basic rules about who owns what. And there's a handful of places in the world that it's pretty complicated. There's a bunch of places where people assert that it's complicated, when in fact everyone knows the reality. And the world, not just the United States, needs to hold nations accountable for this. Did you hear that? They pretend they don't know when they know what the rules are anyway, but they're still doing it. And it's not just our business to reinforce, yo, you already know this is wrong. Why are you doing it? The bottom line is they said it. We don't care what you have to say. We say it's our territory. Done. This is our shelf. Done. We own them before. Done. Because if people actually look post-World War II, Right. We're starting from from World War One, 20s, all the way up to the 70s. How much territory was removed from the Ottoman Empire? It was massive. They owned Mecca, guys, down in Saudi Arabia. They owned parts of what is now Israel, parts of Jordan. Uh, they were everywhere. And slowly they took them back in that whole process started with the Spanish Inquisition that pushed them back down to the eastern Mediterranean where they held that they held they held strong in Greece 
until 1821, where other nations were pushing from north, from the south, uh, you know, and from the east to uh, minimize the impact of these barbarians. They were called barbarians, like legit. That was their nickname in Europe, the barbarians, uh, the Muslim barbarians. Even the um, Saudis would call them barbarians. So it is important that people understand history because history tells you everything you need to know. The past proves exactly what's going on in the future. And this is why this was predictable. You mentioned energy in your speech, and this is a very crucial part in the U.S.-Greek relations. Greece indeed, indeed wants to become an energy hub in the region, and uh, it wants to help Europe facilitate uh, turning to alternative energy sources other than Russia. And the main project, the potentially, potentially the biggest project, is the East Med pipeline. I understand that this is very important geostrategically and for the U.S. Uh, how... How feasible is it financially, business-wise, and how close are we to its implementation? Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to um, the how close are we, um, other than to say that we're a heck of a lot closer than we were uh, 12 or 14 months ago. So there's been real progress made, progress with governments to make sure that, we, that everyone's on board, uh, not only on board with creating rules and systems so that this can be built out, but... Uh, that it has to work, right? It has to work commercially. And so uh, creating, um, creating a space where there will be actual demand for the product at the price that it can be delivered. Uh, I think we're getting closer, but there's still an awful lot of work to do. So, uh, you know, the Eastern Mediterranean Pipeline, I talked about that earlier, earlier in the show, where it's like it's going to be funding, funding, <laughs> funneling oil and gas uh, to the southern states of the EU, European Union. And those alternative, as you would say, is not Russian, but piping up to the Middle East. Okay, let's get it straight. And it is a connector to, again, the hub of energy, which is Turkey. So uh, what he says is it's important that in order for us to fund it and to get it done, because I've told you that we funded the majority of these pipelines. We own these pipelines, in fact, because our tax do- dollars actually paid for it. Um, and this is why we have such an immense amount of debt. Um, we need to make sure that there's money and also that the pricing is competitive. I mean, we can't build a pipeline and have Saudi Arabia sell it for a hundred dollars a barrel, but then we have Russia that's selling oil or gas to Turkey for $25 a barrel. And then Turkey can only can sell that oil because, okay, so let me, let me, it's a little bit confusing because there's a middleman. So Turkey's the middleman. Turkey buys oil. So Turkey has a contract with Russia and it says, you're going to give it to me. I'm just hypothetically saying $25 a barrel. And then they have a contract with Iran that says, you're going to give it to me for $15 a barrel. And then they'll have one with Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen, wherever the pipeline extends to how much per barrel. Now, depending on the prices, it depends how much of that they're going to be purchasing. I mean, they do have prorated agreements saying that I'll buy at least a million, uh, you know, barrels a year, but those are annually corrected. I mean, this is business. You got to make money. 
But here's the thing. It's not only that, it's who builds the infrastructure. So when a pipeline like this happens, there's bids put out. So other countries want to invest because, you know, China may say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a billion dollars in because I'll get 1% of all the oil that moves. So Turkey's making money and you're getting oil. I want 1% because I've invested in it. Until I get my money back, I'll be getting 5%. And then after that, you know, in perpetuity, like Mr. Wonderful says on Shark Tank, I'll be taking 1%. That's how you get things like this funded, especially when you're a broke country like Greece or Italy, because they're all broke. The EU has everything. So it's really important what's going to be said right now about Pompeo. Listen. Mm-hmm. Do you think that U.S. companies will be interested in investing in the project in the future? If they can make money. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, this is, I mean, that is a joke. I mean, that is, that, right? This is, this is about companies invest, whether it's here in Greece or around the world, they invest when they have a, a stable government, a set of rules that are, that are predictable so that they can make a, what will be a decades-long investment. And then for the biggest companies in the world, uh, for sure, um, and this would be many of the energy companies that might participate, American companies, European energy companies, um, they have shareholders. And so their mission set is to find those projects where they can get the right return for the capital they have available. So um, the, go back to the answer to my previous question. You have to create a set of conditions where you have multiple companies, that there's a fight, that there's demand that exceeds supply that say, yes, we want to do that. We want to, we want to be the one that builds this out. We want to be the one that uh, provides the product. We want to be the ones that are on the back end doing distribution. All of the elements that go into completing a project that will be successful uh, in the short run and in the medium and long run, uh, turn on creating uh, projects that can get done quickly. So getting red tape, I think the Greek government, new Greek government has done fantastic work at speeding permitting processes and the like. I think that's incredibly important. When at, For so long, people looked at investments here in Greece and said, goodness, I won't even know if I can do that investment for longer than my investment horizon. Um, these, these are the kind of things that the private sector rallies around. Uh, you can't fake it. <laughs> You, you can't pretend, you can't, uh, you can't urge them to do it because it's for the good of the world. Uh, they're going to do it because there's a good outcome for them and for their business. And I- Capitalism, in other words, they left. He said, if you're going to make money, of course you're going to invest. Kind of like I said, China might be like, yo, count me in. I got a billion in here because I'm looking that this is going to make some money. If your government is unstable, you don't have a set of rules. You got rules and regulations that are red taping everything and I can't do anything. I'm not going to invest diddly squad because that's just giving money. And like you said, you're not going to just convince people just give money because it's, it's for the greater good like obama has you know handing out our federal tax dollars clinton did before him so did bush and then the other bush and 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 right this is it has to be made money private companies will enter exxon will be like yo i'm dropping some coin yeah i want in i got this oil well so if we could drill from that if we could draw some from this you know plot of interests of you know commodity that i got to feed into the pipeline and then i'll build you know these five miles of pipeline count me in that's how they make money it's all about making money and if we all work together with that idea that everybody does things to make money they don't do it for charity you know because that's insane you know it's insane i you know people are like we need universal health why should i be paying for your health care I'm sorry. I know some people are sicker than others. And yes, there should be. I agree that for people that are innately sick, you know, from a young age, you know, that are that have certain diseases that are ongoing, that there should be better deals for them to get treatment. But other than that, I shouldn't be responsible for you getting your annual physical. That's your business. You know, before Social Security, you know, you either went to the doctor or you didn't. 
You didn't go to the doctor, then you died. That's pretty much it. I don't know why I should be worried about old Joe, you know, somewhere else. You know, you could say, oh, that's so mean. Yeah, it is. But it's reality. My kids and my family comes first. And if you have the government taking money out of my pocket to pay for somebody else's comfort, that's taking money out of my pocket for my family's comfort that I've sweat and I've worked for. Just saying. Same thing here. We've dumped trillions of dollars into these pipelines. Tell me how you and I have seen a return on this. We haven't. That's the point. I think that pipeline will have that model, but it remains to be seen. Okay, makes sense. Uh, You mentioned China before in your speech, and you called it a a systemic rival. So uh, the U.S. has warned its allies to avoid Chinese companies and Chinese uh, intervention in infrastructure projects. Considering the fact that China already owns Greece's biggest port and is investing heavily in the whole region, how concerned are you about that? Is it something that you have discussed with the Greek government? And also another factor, Greece is coming out of a steep crisis and urgently needs foreign direct investments. So taking this into account, how realistic is to expect that it will surpass this big investor? Okay, so before we listen to what he has to say, let me break down what China does. This is why they're so smart and so sneaky. So here's what they do. And I'll give you an example of African nations, okay? So Africa's like, all right, man, we have this port where we can park up dinghies and some cruise ships, but it's not doing so good. We got to we gotta put money in. But my country doesn't have the money to put it in. And I can't build this port where I can have like big ships park and cruise ships. And I don't have a marina that's up to par. I got to dig it a little bit deeper so I can get tankers in. You know, I want to create trade, but I don't have the money to do that. So what do they do? They're like, yo. Any country want to make money, you dump money into this and you could take, a, you know, a piece of whatever comes into my port. You can have the the Coca-Cola and, you know, fast food joints that are on the pier. You can hire the the TSA agents per se. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, your customs, you can hire them and make money off of them. I mean, I'll hire them. They get paid $10 an hour, you know, and you get a dollar for each person or whatever. You make money. So what what does China do? It's like, yeah, I, I, I'll come in. I do. I do. I do. So China goes in and it's like, boom, two billion. Starts digging the trenches, starts building out the piers. And then five, you know, five months, a year, two years down the line, it's like, Psh. yeah, and they'd stop building. And then, so the country's like, yo, uh, this isn't done. It's kind of like a house. They put the foundations up. They put the sticks. They put a roof on. There's no wall, no windows, no nothing. And they're just like, yeah. So we're not going to invest any more things. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it when we can. And there's a country sitting there going like, um, excuse me. Next African nation, yo, we need cell phones. We don't have internet and stuff, you know, blah, blah, blah. Remember, I said the dark continent is a investor's dream because there's so much money there. They don't have power. They don't have internet. They don't have cell phones. They don't, they don't have a lot. And if you're, if you got money, you could drop it in there and invest in the infrastructure and make money. You could say, yo, I'll throw up all the towers for power and whatever you charge your customers, I get 5%. You're, you're sitting sipping my ties while those towers have paid themselves off in like a week. So what is China do? China's like, oh, you don't have phone? I face phone go in there, they put up these towers, but then they don't connect them. And they're just like, 
yeah, so we ran out of money. We'll do it later. And then they're going to do it later. It's part of the contract that they've already put that they've got 10, 20 years to do it. So while they're there pretending to put towers or pretending to put piers, they're paying attention to your development based on their investment. And then they steal your tech and then they're spying on you and then they give you phones and then they're taking everything your people have innovated around the infrastructure that they've created. Like, for example, there was one African nation that wanted a port to be built. They then decided that they were going to create these um, boats that were going to take people faster than ferries and, you know, uh China would like that, right? Because they got Macau, Hong Kong, you know, the, the, the ferries that go back and forth. So it's like they invent this new tech and China sees it, copies it and does it on their own. And they're like, yep, we're taking it. And now we're going to sell it everywhere. And the Africans are like, yo, we invented that. Yeah, prove it. So <laughs> we did it. We have money. You don't tough. This is how the Chinese work. And the biggest concern here, and this is why China rolls into Ukraine, and we'll talk about that tomorrow so you can get the gist of this. China comes into Greece and says, I'm going to take your biggest naval port, which is Piraeus. Piraeus is a city within a city. It's on the shores of that. It's the most ancient naval port in history, right? Everyone would go to Piraeus, all the boats, all the trade from ancient times. They take it over, they rebuilt the port, they did this, and then they left stuff half empty. But then they said, oh, we need better communications. Let's build these out. Let's do this. And now you see Huawei coming in and the EU going, yeah, 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 just let them because they're going to pay us this money if you allow them to do this. Here's what Pompeo has to say. Now you'll understand what he's saying with that pretext that I just gave you. Uh, I am confident that... uh the Greek people and the Greek government will make good decisions about when and how or if to take Chinese investments. Uh, sovereign nation, it will make its own decisions. Uh, we've, we fully respect that. Uh, having said that, sometimes when a deal looks too good to be true, it turns out it is. And when the Chinese show up with cheap money, I will tell you the number of nations that I've talked to who have said, you know what, turns out they built a big energy project and it produces nearly nothing. They showed up and said they wanted to build a bridge, and there you see it. It's halfway finished, or better still, yeah, they finished it, and six months later, no one would stand behind the work product. Uh, Greece is smart. You all will figure your way through this. I'd add only this. Uh, it is also the case that nations, sovereign countries, have a responsibility. They have a responsibility to make sure that uh, that when a country shows up with a uh, facially commercial product, but it turns out that that product is being offered for political interest. That is, you're loaning money knowing that it is likely that you will foreclose and take over the real estate. Or you're showing up to provide maybe a uh, maybe a telecommunications network because you want your Communist Party to be able to steal all the information that's going to move across that network. I- I'm confident that Greek people will be able to evaluate that and the Greek leadership will make a good set of decisions. Check this out. Here's the hint. You ready? You heard this here first. $1.5 billion go into the pocket of Biden. He sits on the board of Burisma. That $1.5 billion, that investment into Burisma, into Biden, is to make sure that that purchase, that Chinese interest, allows it to go belly up so they can own the gas reserves, so they can own the title to that plot, per se. Are you getting this? 
Are you listening? Telecommunications. We want to listen to what you're doing, so we're just going to build it and put in technology so we can steal and listen. Are you paying attention? This is the important information that Pompeo puts out. This is how they work. I told you the Chinese are stealthy. They don't mind. And you know what? More power to them. Damn, are they geniuses, aren't they? Come on, guys. We got to hat tip them. They got communism going and everybody's fine with it, you know, and that's fine. I have nothing against communism as long as I'm not, you know, um, forced to live under it. I mean, I'm going to go to China. I, I want to see what communism is like. I'm all for it. You know, I'm going to go visit and I'm going to come back and say, hey, I lived in a communist country. They're smart. They can wait it out. They are stubborn. They're going to let everyone else fall. And in the meantime, they penetrate with what? Money, 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 money. Everybody needs money. And that's the thing. Why do the Western nations think they're smarter than China? They've got 20% of the global population within their borders. Are you kidding? Like, seriously, the numbers are not in your favor. Like, why would you let them run rampant? This is what President Trump is getting ahead of. And Pompeo just told you how they do it. Uh, It's very important. Um, These decisions um, impact every nation a great deal. We have Chinese investment in the United States. No one has suggested, least of all the national security leaders in the United States, that there there are no ways that we can work with China. President Trump has said repeatedly, we want China to be successful and we want them to prosper. What we don't want them to do is steal the property of Greek citizens. You all work too hard to create it. You're, you're asking to build out your high-tech sector, and if you open it up in the wrong way to China, you'll do it, you'll be successful, and then they'll steal it. I think you all will figure your way through that. And so if they show up with a commercial deal and European company bids and an American company bids and a Chinese company bids and the Chinese company is participating in a straight-up commercial enterprise and that's the best offer, that's the deal that should be taken. But it's eyes wide open. And there's a lot of countries that didn't get that right. And so we're spending a good deal of time making sure uh, that the risks connected to some of the infrastructure projects that have a national security implication are fully evaluated. And so we'll share our information and then each country will make decisions for itself. Yeah, like um, we're working together and if you give them telecom contracts and we are working together militarily and you've just given them a defense contract to build your military's communications, that's a national security problem for us. So we all need to work together to make sure that between two countries, either that be Greece in the U.S., Italy in the U.S., France in the U.S., whatever it may be, Congo in the U.S., that they're secure. And like you said, if it's a private, clear investment like the port for example, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and it's a better deal, and it's feasible, and it's not too good to be true, then take it by all means. If it's more challenging, this is what requests for proposals are. You put it out, you say your timeline, you say, I'm going to do it with that, this is how you're going to pay me, this is how many workers I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to produce, and then you bid, and then you win it. That's the fair way to do it. Now, here comes a little bit of a smackdown. At the final point, I can't help but ask you about the political developments in the U.S., since you have confirmed that you were present during the call on July 25th between President Trump and President Zelensky, can you tell us, do you think that there were any red flags raised during that call that required further investigation? I don't think anybody here is particularly interested in this. <laughs> I'm sure they are. 
I'm sure they are. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think they want to know about the relationship with America and Greece. I'm convinced of that. All right? This is what's wrong. When the world doesn't focus on the things that are right, the things that matter, the things that impact real people's lives, and instead you get caught up in some silly gotcha game, you see, that's not, that's not healthy. That doesn't help democracies flourish. It doesn't help grow economies. What it does is it destroys people's belief it, that the, the people who have this charge, right, as a reporter, as a journalist, the people who have this charge uh, aren't really focused on the things that matter to people. Look, Boom. That's right. That is exactly it. That's what the fake news are doing. They are distracting for what's important. You know, if you weren't listening to the Tory Sess show, you wouldn't see the war coming with Turkey. You wouldn't see why this move into the eastern Mediterranean is happening because nobody is talking about it. Absolutely no one has put the pieces together to tell you, watch out this. Kind of like I said last week. And, oh, look at that. Martial law. We'll talk about that. Just listen to what else he says. Look, I was look. I was on the phone call. I was. I'm on almost every phone call with the president, with every world leader. Uh, the president has every right to have these set of conversations. I know precisely what the United States Department of State, indeed, sitting in front of you, is the previous ambassador to to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We know exactly what we were doing there. We were trying to create a situation where it wouldn't be a corrupt government, mm-hmm. right? We wanted to make sure that they didn't interfere in our election in 2016. We wanted to make sure that if we underwrote javelin missile systems, something that the previous administration refused to do. We wanted to make sure that we were doing this with a government that was straight up and would use that money for the things that it said it would use that money for. Those are, those are the kinds of things that we do when we're trying to deliver on behalf of the American people appropriately. And can you assure your allies, Greece, other countries of the Balkans, the U.S. allies, She's asking that they will be not smacked. be subject to political pressure based on their willingness or unwillingness to help the interests of the U.S. president. Okay. Did you hear what she said? I can't believe she said it. Oh, are you, can you assure Greece and other Balkan allies that if we don't want to work with President Trump, that um, we're still okay? Listen to what Pompeo says. Uh, what's, the, what's the question? To do- he ends the interview right after this, by the way. What? No, no. You're going to be under enormous political pressure. Let me assure you. Right? This is what we do. This, we, we work together in, in a political environment to achieve what the Greek people want. Right? And America tries to advance its interests around the world. And I am confident that I feel pressure when I talk to your foreign minister. He pressures me all the time. <laughs> it's totally appropriate. Okay. Right? Isn't that right? Yeah, it's totally right. So you don't Go ahead and say it. You, you can admit it. It's okay. It, it's completely right. He's right. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I understand. Okay. No, it's okay. He's pissed and he's waving his hand. It's okay. You're all right. Okay, it's fine. It, look, nations do this. Nations work together and they say, boy, goodness gracious, if you can help me with X, we'll help you achieve Y. This is what partnerships do. It's win-win. It's better for each of us. I don't, I, I'm not offended when your prime minister asks me, can you, can you help us with X? Right? It doesn't, it doesn't bother me a lick. So you don't think it will have any lasting damage in the U.S. diplomacy? To wrap it up. I don't know what you're referring to. What will have any lasting damage? The fact that we're engaged in the world trying to create a partnership with Greece? No, I think it's going to be great. Okay. 
dude, he was so pissed. He was smiling throughout the whole thing. Exactly that. Oh, if we don't want to work with Trump, does that mean that we don't have a deal? It's like, oh my God, I can't believe you asked that question. How swampy. It ended because, you know, he did the hand signal and she was given the signal. Um, you know, it's very discreet. It was a Greek hand signal, like we're cutting. Uh, you know, we were told to cut. He was really pissed and he was smiling throughout that whole time. Are you serious? Like, he wouldn't even entertain that. Yes, there's going to be political pressure. Yes, because as the U.S., you know, Greece is like, yo, you going to help us with Turkey or what? They could probably invade and annihilate us and the EU will sit there on their hands because they need them for oil. What's going to happen? All right, we'll help you with this, but you're going to help us with that. Sure thing. That's the way a partnership works. You and me are partners. I help you. You help me. It's not a one-sided relationship. I don't get it. What do you mean? America's supposed to help and you're supposed to be like, yeah, you want help? Sorry. No, that doesn't work like that. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Syria is heating up. We've got Adam Schiff flipping his top. Oh, my gosh. How dare Donald Trump do this? How dare he pull out of Syria? Of course, how dare he? Because now it's coming down to it. You know, Tori's crystal ball. My time traveling machine, whatever you want to call it. Cause when, when I get people with zero followers or one followers or people of the mainstream media reaching out, how did you know this was going to happen? I respond with, I'm a time traveler. You'll be real quick where people don't respond to that. Um, and then I sometimes send them a link to Apex TV. <laughs> but listen, bottom line is, I told you guys that there's a huge rally happening. I wrote an article about it. I nestled in that last article that martial law is imminent. And obviously that news broke that on the 19th of October, the day that they have the scheduled siege of New York and L.A. funded by Democrat Alliance money, Democratic Alliance money, right? Look at my last article on, on Loomerd.com uh, or LauraLoomerd.us. It's changed to Loomerd.com. Uh, you'll see all the information in there. They are going to be hosting, they're going to be taking siege of New York and LA. And now they've activated the reserves. And you know what I said in that article, you guys, last week? I said, you know what sucks? Is that they're going to be violent. And see, in this violence, so it is important that people know not to go to these rallies. Unless you're a journalist recording, I suggest you stay out and stay safe. Because we've activated our military reserve. Martial law is going to come. And you know what sucks? That we'll be deprived the perp walk. I also told you that the FISA report is coming right before this rally, if not the Monday right after it. Uh, probably before it. Martial law will kick off because they will be rounded up. We've got thousands upon thousands of sealed indictments that are popping already. In my state, the Supreme Court justice here, chief justice of the Supreme Court is stepping down. Okay, there is a lot going on and no one is paying attention, just like Pompeo said. They focus on rubbish rather than the progress and what we really need to focus on. They're talking to you about Iran. Iran is a nothing burger. It's under control. Turkey is the problem. The problem is the people that are in the house. Look at Ilhan Omar. She files for divorce from her husband here. See why? Because now everyone's going to find out that your father was part of Al-Shabaab, right? Her real father. And the guy that brought her here, also part of Al-Shabaab. Part of the deal to bring her here. That's why she married her Al-Shabaab wannabe brother. 
gosh, it is so frustrating sometimes when you see the media skew all the facts and guide your attention where it needs to be. The attention needs to be there is World War Three at the brink and it's hitting up in the Eastern Med. I've said the hottest bed right now, if you're standing on the moon, and you're looking down on earth, red is in the Eastern Med. We've got Israel, we've got Syria, we've got Cyprus, we've got Turkey, we've got Greece, we've got the Balkans. And Russia is waiting to pounce from the north. Again, Russia is going to be a key driver for this. We got China sitting there just, you know, it, they're like, Poopsters, you know, shitsters. <laughs> you know that person that stirs the pot? That's what China's doing. Remember, everything you hear on here is seven months ahead only because we pay attention to the news, the real news, the unfiltered news, the news that nobody else will give you. So tomorrow we'll talk about more about this protest, more about Syria and what's to come kind of interesting that this weekend we signed this mutual defense agreement and suddenly say we're pulling out best way to do it is to tell them that we're pushing sanctions on turkey god bless i'll see you all tomorrow